Spin San Old School, helping you navigate back to college in 2021. You are very welcome back to Spin San Old School with me, Louise Cantillon. Spin San Old School is proudly sponsored by Pathway, an interactive online career guidance tool at mypathwayjourney.com. This week's episode, we will be chatting all things mental health. Now, I know that mental health, mental well-being, they are big topics, they are vast topics, and we hope to skim the surface across the next 25 minutes and share with you some valuable support, information and resources when it comes to taking care of your mental health as a college student. Joining us to chat all things mental health is an expert in her field. Trassa Fox is spokesperson for Psychological Counsellors in Higher Education in Ireland. She is also lead author on the National Student Mental Health and Suicide Suicide Prevention Framework. We are so delighted and thrilled and grateful for her time because we know it is an extremely busy time of the year at Thuis Midlands, their newly renamed university, Technological University, and we are delighted that she's taken the time to speak with us this morning. Trasa, thank you so much for joining us on Spins and All Skull. Thanks a million, Louise, and thanks for inviting me on. It's great to have you. And Trasa, we're going to get straight down to business because, as I mentioned, this is a big topic. I'm going to just ask you a very basic question first, which I'm sure isn't basic at all, but what exactly is our mental health? So, Louise, yeah, mental health, I suppose, is, is optimal uh, well-being, being able to, to function well in the world, to be able to um, deal with adversity and, and deal with challenging situations, um, but remaining quite functional, quite able to engage in all the dimensions of our life that we want to. Um, so, so we sometimes talk about mental health and, and we interchangeably use it with well-being. Um, and actually they are two slightly different things because you can have poor mental health as in a diagnosable mental health condition. Uh, but if you're managing it well, if you're taking care of yourself and, and, and doing all the things you need to, to manage that well, um, you can have good mental well-being. You can be, you could be feeling quite, quite good, quite well able to engage in all dimensions of life that you want to. Um, and, and similarly, you can have um, poor mental well-being. Sorry, poor well-being. Um, an example I would use for that is is something that you know where you'd have a really normal, normative reaction like like grief. You know, when you've lost somebody close to you um, so through death or through separation or whatever, um, you're not going to feel good. You're not, your well-being is not going to be great. You're not going to be able to engage with your normal um, everyday dimensions of your life, as I say. Um, it's not a mental health condition, though. You know, it, it, it's exactly what we would expect you to be feeling and experiencing in the aftermath of a, a death, for instance, or a traumatic event or whatever. So so I suppose it's important that we make that distinction that mental um, health difficulties, mental ill health will normally affect some dimensions, if not many dimensions of your of your functioning over time, um, whereas well-being uh, and negative well-being tends to be more time limited. Well put. And I think, you know, you make a good point there when you say being able to engage with your life, because I think we all have bad days where we can't engage with anything and we just want to stay in bed and pull the covers back over our heads. But that, for the most part, hopefully for most people, is a sporadic occurrence. Really, when the alarm bells or the red flags should be going up is the type of person who feels like that more often then they feel good about engaging with their life. Absolutely. Absolutely. We all have really difficult days. Everybody, you know, um, God Almighty, you know, uh, the challenges of the last last 18 months um, has really tested us uh, and, and having bad days and finding, you know, just circumstances were really difficult. So pulling the duvet over the head is, is a really good way of, of describing it or, or feeling quite stressed or anxious on particular days. 
the problem is when these extend over over long periods of time where you're having more of these days than than days that you're not feeling that way. Um, and then where you will really, really see it is where you are missing that engagement for, from some parts of your life. Like for students, you know, is that that you're not getting up and you're not getting into college, you're missing out on classes, you're you're not engaging with your friends, you're not socialising, you're not meeting up with them, um, or you're avoiding doing certain things because of anxiety, you know, um, do you, you know, go into a lecture theatre and sit at the furthest corner? because you're so terrified of having to engage or converse with somebody um, that your anxiety is such that, that it just makes you want to disappear into the wall sort of thing. And um, that you can't be in the canteen at busy times because you, you don't like to be around around crowds and around people. Um, so what we would look for is, is where it prevents you doing what you want to be doing in your life. If something is going on, if your feelings and cognitions and thoughts um, cause you to not engage with things that you want to engage with over time, then we say absolutely step forward, go go and seek help. I want to ask you about the lingo and the terminology that sometimes comes with mental health because it can be misleading or even sometimes used incorrectly or used in a throwaway sense like we see people very commonly and I'm probably guilty of this myself I'll be like oh I'm so depressed today and like I'm not depressed at all I'm probably just stressed about something silly or hungry or hangrier you know there is no need for me to use that adjective at all. Yeah, I think we need to be absolutely very, very clear about about how we use our language. I think it it's it's it hurts people. It actually does. It hurts people who who are genuinely depressed or genuinely um, anxious or, or or having panic attacks. If we say, "Oh my God, I had a panic attack because of something I didn't submit my assignment time or whatever," um, it really does hurt people who genuinely have those experiences. So we need to be cautious. We need to be careful about how we use that terminology. Similarly, we, we, we ought not clinicalize um, experiences that we have. For instance, of course, you're going to be anxious before a presentation in college. Everybody's anxious before a presentation. But that doesn't necessarily mean that you have any sort of mental health difficulty. It's absolutely normal and normative to have those um, experiences of anxiety. I suppose what we need to be careful to do is, is to not eradicate those things out of our life and, and, and to um I suppose see them as as a negative when we experience them I always use the the um analogy of you know anxiety the physical sensations of anxiety that we feel are the very exact same ones that we pay money for on a roller coaster so so you know there are levels of anxiety there are leg- levels of of feeling down and and low moods that are part of everyday life and living um it's just when they start persisting um, you you are your own best assessor of that. If it's interfering with your life, if it's interfering with the best version of your life that you want to have in college, in university, um, then it is worthy uh, of seeking help. We say in student counselling services, no problem is too small. We really focus on early intervention. Come to us when it's not a huge problem. Come to us early with you know the resolution um, and the outcomes are far better if we can get stuck in there with you early on. To, to prevent your problems getting any bigger. Can I just ask about that early intervention? Like early intervention can be something as simple as having a conversation with your friends. Like because in particular college students who maybe are in first and second year uh, this this academic year, they've spent an awful lot of time in a virtual classroom or online or in lockdown and maybe just in the last number of months find themselves kind of returning to real life conversation and real life face-to-face interaction with teachers or peers or friends. 
How important is that simple art of conversation, asking your friends how they are and not doing it through a telephone or a text or a screen, actually looking in their eyes and asking that question face to face? Hugely important, Louise. Absolutely, vitally important. Um, in in Toos Midlands, uh, we're running a campaign this year um, that focuses exactly on that. And it's just about actually amplifying what, what students and young people do in, in a lot of cases, very, very simply and very easily. The, the campaign we're running is, is Get Past Grand. So we're a keyword partner with uh, Text 50808, uh, which is an anonymous 24-7 tech support service. Um, and they, they initiated this campaign earlier on in the year where, where they identified that young people, sometimes when somebody asks them how they're doing, their answer is, I'm grand. A really Irish thing, isn't it? I'm grand. Uh, so, so they're encouraging people to to get past grand. You know, don't give that as an answer if you're not feeling okay. But the the sister campaign to that is the Ask Twice campaign. So, again, what we're encouraging students to do is when you ask somebody, are they okay? But you've noticed some markers that that indicates that they're not okay. They don't seem to be okay. They're missing classes. They're not coming into classes. They're sleeping a lot. You're sharing a house with them, and you don't see them you know, coming into the communal areas to seem to be avoiding people. Um, ask them how they're doing. If they say I'm grand, ask twice, ask a second time. But absolutely, that early intervention is talk to um, friends, housemates. I suppose I often, when I'm sitting in a room with a student who says nobody gets me, nobody's there, I'd often ask the question, who's one person in your life who'd really want to know that you're feeling this way now? And invariably, they can pick out one person, somebody, it could be a family member, but but they will be able to identify some one person who will want to know that they're not okay and will want to support them. You're so right. It is innately Irish to say, I'm grand. And I think that we have maybe within us this stubbornness as well that we oftentimes don't want to talk about our feelings because we think oh I don't want to put my issue on someone else I don't want to cause them any hassle to have to be worrying about me I'll be fine I'll figure it out myself but actually it's probably true that a problem shared is a problem halved you know and maybe we don't like normalize that enough the fact that actually you can always ask for help and when you do it will probably make that situation easier whatever it is. Absolutely. I think the important thing to remember is that when we when we start getting overwhelmed by our feelings, be that low mood or be that anxiety or whatever is going on for us, um, we, we become very internally focused and, and we tend to look inwards uh, very much so and we can become consumed by looking inwards um, and not looking externally to our environment. Um, and, and that prevents us seeing the people who are in our support network, it really can. So one of the things that we need maybe to, to, to keep reminding ourselves is there's somebody out there who cares. And it mightn't be necessarily a really obvious person either. It mightn't be your, your best friend because your best friend may be going through some stuff, but there's another friend um, that you've met because you're starting to share a house or whatever. Um, you get on well. And this person might be the person who, who really wants to know that you're feeling this way and really wants to help and support you. Rise out of... I suppose, the in introspection, the inward looking self and, and start to look out into the environment and look at what and who, you know, there's somebody out there who, who cares enough to want to know I'm feeling this way and to want to help. Yeah. And then, of course, to follow that up by actually making the first step and having the conversation. Uh, can I talk about the transition for students who maybe for the first time are moving counties, moving to a new city, moving into new accommodation and feeling all of those feelings like we mentioned at the beginning of this chat, anxiety, fear of maybe failing, uh, 
making new friends, it can be overwhelming and it can be an awful lot of change. But my question, Trata, is how do you differentiate between these normal feelings of change that we all go through or something that's more serious or maybe more of a mental struggle? Yeah, Louise, you talk about the last 18 months and and people making this transition, our second years actually making this transition as much as our first years are in terms of being on campus. It's been such a strange 18 months. It's been really challenging. I'm, I'm going to go back to something you said there about, about people talking to each other. It's been so difficult for this age cohort, the typical age cohort coming into first and second year because they are hardwired to be around each other. That That's what students do. That's what young people do. This is their developmental task at this stage in life. And oh my God, how difficult that was not to be able to be around each other. Um, and, and what we're seeing a lot in the counselling service at the minute is, you know, the impact of that, the impact of people going through life events, situations where normally they would have relied on each other, gone to each other, talked to their friends, received support from their friends, that early intervention thing we, we talked about. Um, but they didn't have that over the last 18 months because of restrictions, because of not being able to meet. Um, so, yeah, it's, this is doubly hard on, on, on our first years and second years coming on campus now. Um, there's a little bit, I think, of forgetting the skills that they that they already have. Um, and, and they haven't been able to practice them over 18 months. And that is, you know, you guys have already made friends in, in secondary school. You've, you've made friends in your neighbourhood. You know how to do this. You know how to begin conversations. So a little bit of thinking back to the skill set you already have. Yeah, you haven't been able to practice it a huge amount in 18 months. But you have that skill set. You've been able to open up conversations. You've been able to form bonds with people. So to lean back into those skills and those abilities, I think, is really, really important at the moment. But yes, big transition, moving counties, moving away from your normal support structures um, and and the friendships maybe that you had at home. They're going on to maybe their own college or work. um, And you haven't found your tribe yet in the first couple of weeks. It takes time. Some people do it in the first couple of days and that's great wonderful but for a lot of people the vast majority of people it takes a little bit of time to find your your people um, and you have to talk to a lot of people to find your people the ones that you can relate to and you can connect to on a, on a, on a kind of a deep level and um, so my advice is give it time really guys give it time and uh, be open um, I, you know I talked about the person who goes and sits at the, the very back corner of a lecture theatre you know up against the wall um, look at what sort of message that might give to other people you know it's, it's kind of giving the message you don't want to talk you don't want to interact that mightn't be what you want at all it's fear maybe that makes you do that but maybe look at going and sitting in the middle of the lecture theatre where there's people in front of you there's people behind you much more chance of engaging in conversation um, be a bit strategic be a bit planned well a lot of these things that happen you know the meeting the friends and the social life and whatever else can happen organically I really think it's a really good idea to make a plan about what student experience do you want to have in your college in your university and then look at what you need to do to make that happen because it's great if it happens organically but sometimes you have to be very deliberate about these things and decide okay I want that sort of experience but actually what I'm going to have to do is join a few clubs and societies I'm going to to sit in the middle of lecture theatre I'm going to have to instead of racing back to my accommodation during free classes I'm going to maybe sit around the canteen even if that's uncomfortable and I have to sit my own the first couple of times you know or maybe I have to ask somebody who's sitting in front of me in the class are you going for coffee 
um, let's go for coffee or something like that. So it's uncomfortable. Absolutely. It doesn't mean it's awful. It doesn't mean there's anything wrong. It's just uncomfortable. It's unknown. Um, and I think just tolerating that discomfort is is important. Yeah, for sure. And I love the fact you say that making a plan and being strategic, because I think like, I feel like I'm throwing out all the old things today now, but like fail to prepare, prepare to fail. It's probably no harm to actually prepare and put together a plan of action when it comes to your social life. I mean, we're all excellent at planning nights out, what we're going to wear, how we're going to do our hair and makeup. So why not plan maybe how you're going to interact with people in the college, in the lecture hall? You know, there's a lot to be said for that as well. Something as simple as that, I'd imagine, Trasic, can make a massive difference. Like all you need is one pal to get you going. This is it. And, you know, again, it might not be the person you think. Then this is the important thing is that, it, you know, what's lovely about you remember this yourself for university and college. Is you meet such a diversity, such a range of different people. You know, um, we've got so many fabulous mature student groups, so many fabulous international students and um, all with really interesting stories and really interesting life experiences. Um, you know, so I think that's sort of been open to to meeting a diverse range of people. And, um, you know, some of the mature students, you know, when they come in first to tell us like, oh, my God, they're all 18 and I won't fit in and I'm not <laughs> going to make any connections. And and then, you know, six months on, they say, well, you know, the, the young ones, the 18 year olds come in and tell me about their nights out and whatever else. And, you know, and, and I'm invited on the next one, you know, <laughs> so so those sorts of friendships and relationships in, in the places that you don't. Uh, maybe that you're not used to, I suppose, coming from secondary school, you you wouldn't have maybe that diversity, uh, but it's just so lovely. And it's lovely to see mature students, younger students, international students all engaging in that way. So so be open to, to, to meeting, you know, really diverse people and, and having different richness. I suppose, brought into your life. Brilliant, yeah. And I think that's it. That's exactly it. It's that mix of uh, demographics and it's brilliant. And I absolutely have fantastic memories of my time in UCC. And I have so many friends from totally different backgrounds as well. Um, Teresa, the other side of that, I guess, is the student who is uber social, right? Who goes to university and doesn't know when to press the off switch. They are out five nights a week. They are maybe excessively drinking. They are excessively socialising. They are burning the candle at both ends, so to speak, and maybe compressing and pushing down lots of feelings of fear. We know that after a night of heavy drinking, you can have that pang of fear the next day and anxiety. Too much of that can be a bad thing as well. Yeah, absolutely. And, and, you know, there's a part of me that totally, again, referencing the last 18 months, I totally could get that. I could totally understand that there's a sense maybe that there's so much to make up for, so much time to make up for. Um, and and some of that is understandable. But actually what we know is it, it really doesn't help in the long run. One of the first things we see that happens is, you know, getting into college, getting into classes um, becomes impacted. If you're out five nights a week partying, and partying hard um, that's one of the first things that will go um, and, and and when that starts to slip it, it can be hard to bring it back like the semesters are very very tight there's only 12 weeks for our first years is even less because they would have started a couple of weeks later so so you can't afford to let that slide you know trying to claw back that that time and information um the stuff that you missed um, is, is much harder than actually being there in the first place in the classes. But the other thing is sleep. We know sleep is a critically important factor for, for young people. Um, so for adolescents and young adults, um, it really is. It's important from, from a brain development point of view. It's important in terms of, the, you know, a lot of 
young people are still growing. Um, but sleep is, is, is one of those natural remedies for anxiety and for low mood. So, so sleep is really, really important. So I suppose the advice is, look, I get it. I get the need and the, uh, the want to be out there and to, to be partying and meeting people, but balancing all things, you know, don't do it five nights a week. Make sure you have a couple of nights alcohol free, preferably a couple in a row. Uh, to let your body uh, recover um, and, and the same with regard to taking drugs you know um, we know students and young people do take drugs but you know it harm that harm limitation you know harm reduction and uh, make sure this isn't a frequent frequent pattern uh, make sure there's always somebody with you if that's something you're engaging with um, and again keep one eye on the prize what is the student experience that you want to have it probably isn't only just being in the pub or in the nightclub, it probably has some success markers in terms of your college course, in terms of meeting people, in terms of being in every day. So, so check back to that. You know, what is your your best version of you as a student? Trasa, I just want to pick up on something you said there about making sure there's someone with you. For example, if it is something like substance abuse, okay, let's just put it like that. It is happening. Males in particular, I think male students tend to spend more time on their own or even after nights out can find themselves in a situation where they go home alone or they're alone on their way back to student accommodation and maybe they're not in their right mind and something awful happens. And unfortunately, the rates of suicide are higher in young males. Is there anything that groups of male friends can kind of do to prevent any of them ending up on their own? And I guess for females as well, like because... Obviously, you can be out of your mind when you are taking different substances or drinking too much alcohol and terrible things can happen. But what are the best ways maybe to try and prevent anything like that happening that students can do and do together? Yeah, I I think you're spot on there, Louise, in terms of, you know, how we look after each other, you know, and, and, and I think sometimes it can be viewed that. And, and a lot of young male students do have this view that it's 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 the young uh, female students that we need to look out for and the female students we need to make sure get home okay and they're tremendously good at doing that the vast majority of them um, they do look out for their female friends and 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 housemates or whatever um, but yeah we need to broaden it we need to look after all all uh, all our friends all our, our acquaintances you know that one of the things that happens um on, on a night out, I suppose is that you know that there's a certain nightclub or it's a certain pub or whatever else that that's a lot of students are returning from, and the housing areas are oftentimes all around the same area near the university near the college, um, and and I know this from from young male students t- talking to me, they're very good at spotting maybe somebody walking on their own, maybe somebody who's not in a good state, maybe they've had too much of whatever substances, um, and you know some of them it, it's kind of bystander responsibility I suppose they will walk up and they will start chatting and they will escort that person home and make sure that they get home safely um, and again we know this where, where students have observed other students on their own in, in, in maybe precarious situations near a river etc and they've been really really proactive in, in terms of active outreach as we call it you know going there sitting down having the conversation um, so we just we need everybody to be aware that you're you're part of you know the support community you know in in yeah. your university in your town in your village you know you have a huge important bystander role um to take in in it with regard to a lot of things and, and i just think our students do it so so well but it just we need to give permission to all students for the student on the night out right who finds themselves in a situation that 
someone in their company is saying they feel suicidal, they feel very depressed and they feel like or are threatening to do something to take their own life. Look, I suppose the important thing is that, that you don't leave them on their own, that that, uh, that there's somebody there to, to, to you, that you stay with them and that you maybe have a, you and a friend because it's a lot to take on on your own. Um, oftentimes it's not very easy to get through to somebody, who, you know, in the early hours of the morning. Um, and that, that may, that isn't necessarily always the time to, to, to bring them to, to help services, but staying with them. Um, I think contacting um, a family member or an emergency contact is really important. Don't handle this on your own. There's somebody in that person's life, in their family, who, who really wants to be involved in supporting them. It may not feel like the right thing to do to the person who's, who's feeling that way, feeling suicidal, but it is the right thing to do is to, you know, pick up the phone and ring their brother, their aunt, their whoever. You know, again, if you can if you can have the conversation with them first and they agree to it. But even if they don't, secrets like that should never be kept, not when it comes to life or death. So as counsellors, we're very, very clear that if somebody is suicidal, that that's one time that we can um, breach confidentiality and we can bring in a support network. Um, I think the other thing um, is that, you know, whether it's out or whether it's 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 talking to a friend who's opened up about feeling very despairing and very hopeless. When you hear those words, despairing and hopeless and no sense of it, it getting any better, Last year, we formed a really important partnership with Text 50808, which is a, this 24-hour um, text support service, Anonymous. Um, so we formed this keyword partnership, you know, about 19 of the higher education institutions have keyword partnership with 50808. Um, and it's something that we encourage all our students to do at the beginning in induction, put this into your phone. You won't remember the number necessarily, but the contact, put it in as a contact, Text 50808. And if you, if a friend ever needs to, night or day, for a calming chat or, or supporting a crisis, it's it's a fantastic service, and we're really really proud and ha- and pleased to have partnered with them. Absolutely, and that's the thing. I think it's making students aware that all of these services are available and that they're just there at the touch of a button. Um, how normal is it, Trasa, for a student to go to a counsellor and speak about their friends? Maybe they don't necessarily feel like they have anything worth seeing a counsellor about but they could be worried about a housemate or a friend and feel that that pressure is something they need to talk about or they need assistance with. Yeah that's that's something that we offer again across the country I mean we we recognise the importance of the peer support uh, network and how important friends are um, and they are really so proactive in a lot of cases so you know it's important to check in with your counselling service and and see what's available what they offer in our case we offer a a walk-in service two to three every day and and so oftentimes students will walk in do that two to three slot to ask about how to support a friend that's in difficulty. So are all of these student counselling services free? So, yeah, I mean, again, familiarise yourself with, with the um, contact procedures for your own student counselling service. It should be on your website. Some services offer that walk-in uh, service. Others then you have to register. So you would send an email or make a phone call. But if you identify yourself as needing assistance uh, urgently or you want advice about how to support a friend urgently, then the services should be able to accommodate that. Are the facilities, supports and resources that are available at third level institutions across the country adequate for mental health? They're not really, Louise. I mean, look, we're very, very grateful and very thankful to uh, Minister Simon Harris and her Education Authority for additional funding last year. Because of the COVID context that we were in, they provided additional mental health funding. And I understand the Minister, um, from, from a tweet yesterday, he'll be announcing additional funding this week. Um. 
the, the level of demand, Louise, is going up all the time. Um, and I have to say, we talk to colleagues around the country. Um, what we've seen since we've come back on campus is that, you know, so many students are struggling. So many students are needing to see our services. The unfortunate thing is that we're in, we're in, we're in waitlist territory at the moment. Um, so so we're, we're normally able to provide a service within four or five working days. Uh, unfortunately, that's really, really got stretched out. So look at the recommended ratio for a number of counsellor per, per number of students is one to 1,000. Uh, we're nowhere near that. Um, and, and we are constantly, I suppose, asking the government to, to increase that uh, and make sure that we bring the ratios in line with, with the recommended ratios. Because apart from the one-to-one counselling, there's an awful lot of other work that we provide as well. We do workshops, we provide outreach, we put out a lot of material through social media. We update our website and the virtual learning environments with, with content and reliable information, I suppose, around mental health, around um, your mood, around your cognitions, etc. So as well as then we provide uh, staff support. And if staff are concerned for students, we, we, we provide a consultation service for them in terms of how best um, it, to meet the needs of the students. And also, unfortunately, after tragic events that happen, we also provide kind of post-pension services for students where maybe one of their, their, their peers has died by suicide. So, so th- there's a whole range of work that, and, and offering that we provide, as well as the one-to-one counselling. We'd love to do more. We'd love to de- develop, I suppose, an awful lot more digital interventions that we can use with students, um, but it needs to be resourced. I couldn't agree with you more. The services are vital and crucial and of utmost importance to all of our students and incoming students over the coming years as well. Uh, finally, I guess just before we wrap things up, I'm going to ask you, because you are the expert in this area, to share with us this morning a golden rule or maybe a rule of thumb when it comes to minding your mental health as a student. If you had one piece of advice you could share with a student, any student tuning us in this morning, what would it be? Oh, I suppose engage, connect. Um, make that plan, you know, being your wanting that best student experience that, that you had in your mind and you have it in your mind's eye for a long time. Decide what that is and be clear about what it is and, and how that balances all that we talked about today, Louise, your, your social life and your academic life and, you know, making friends and forming relationships and, you know, decide what that is and decide on your steps to get there. What do you need to do? Empower yourself. You are in control of this and, and you have the skills and the ability to make these things happen. So so decide your best student experience, what that's going to be and, and the steps you need to get there. I suppose you asked me for one, Louise, I'm going to be really cheeky. I'm going to add two more. I'm going to go back and say, get past grand and ask twice. Three bits of advice. Brilliant. Get past grand and ask twice. And just very quickly as well on that, Trasa, the number again, if students want to reach out on demand, it's a click of a button and it's a 24-hour helpline that they can chat to someone at the end of the phone, whatever their issues may be. Yeah, so so the keyword um, for the, the higher education sector is whatever your, your, your keyword for your institution. For us, it's TUS. So text TUS to uh, 50808. Anybody can access that 50808 service. Anybody's open to everybody across the country. Um, you can begin the text conversation by, by texting hello to 50808, by texting hi to 50808. It's a fantastically important um, resource that we have only, only launched a year and a bit ago. Um, and it's just really, really useful to put it in your phone, students, parents, teachers, anybody listening. Your contact is text 50808 and the number is 50808. So, so please do reach out um, and, and have those conversations when you need to.
Brilliant. Trasa Fox, thank you so much for sharing all of that information with us. And for anyone that is tuning in this morning that has been affected by any of the issues we have spoken about, you can find a list of helplines, contacts and supports on our social media pages right now at SPIN. Do check them out for more. Trasa Fox, spokesperson for psychological counsellors in higher education in Ireland and lead author on the National Student Mental Health and Suicide Prevention Framework. It's been fantastic to speak with you about mental health on SPIN Sunolskull. Thanks so much for having me, Louise. Pleasure talking to you. Spin Sunol Skull is proudly sponsored by Pathway, an interactive online career guidance tool at mypathwayjourney.com. Spin Sunol Skull. Get the podcast every Friday on the Spin app. Powered by Go Loud.